When you're down on your luck, flying so low, feels like the world's got you going. You know, you you have to walk the talk. You can't just talk the talk. Nobody cares about what you have to say if your actions don't match. Past all the bad stuff, feeling like you will never be enough. If you fight through the fear, you will find that. What is up, our fellow Legacy Ninja? It is a beautiful thing when the mistakes that we view as being detrimental or wanting to run away because our view when it comes to mistakes are all jacked up. But when we can look at the mistakes that have taken place in our life and find those opportunities for growth and learning and progression, what that does for you as an individual. So for yourself, take the time and do a deep dive and find those mistakes, you got that in air quotes, that you believe were mistakes and you tried to run away from it. Go and find out how you have grown from that, what you've learned, and what can you do bringing forth those lessons to share with others. So on this episode, we have the pleasure of having Jim Crosby on with us as our guest, a strong mentor, somebody that Patrick has learned a lot from and has a big heart and a drive really to focus on building relationships. So within the episode, Jen talks about the mistakes that took place, how she looks at them as beautiful disasters and what came out of that. And so it is just a change of perspective that Jen shares to make that pivot they need to get to that next level. In the episode, we had the discussion of showing up authentic and being present embracing growth and learning and getting away from being a know-it-all and being a student of life going out there and continuing to grow and learn and improve what you can do as an individual bring forward to others to impact the lives of others we want to give a shout out because the music for the episode was given to us by a great friend of ours a local musician here in colorado springs jenny vinatari mole who is part of Cosmic, which is Colorado Springs Music Industry Coalition. So if you really love the song, the link for the YouTube channel for that video will be there. Go check it out. Other than that, as a friend of ours, as a legacy ninja, do the deep dive and see and look at your mistakes in a different light and see what's there for you to grow and learn from and progress and bring that forward to go impact the lives of others. Other than that, enjoy the episode. Catch you later. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Legacy Digging with Two Native Sons. I'm Patrick, and my mother half here, <laughs> Scott. <laughs> and uh, today we have a very special guest, Jen Crosby. Hi. And I'm excited about this one. I've been privy to know Jen for a little while now, and hearing the story uh you know when we talk about legacy you know kind of where people have come from where they're going what they're actively doing to live that and your story definitely resonates uh, and i think a lot of people who will hear this will also kind of realize that kind of like myself you know when you go through something you don't realize maybe what you're building you know i know that i've been able to use you as as a mentor and kind of follow um, a lot of the stuff, you know, and reach out to you. So I'm really excited about this. And so I just want to dive right in just to make good use of time. And so tell us a little bit about 
what you currently do, but also let's go kind of in the, to the backstory as to how you got there. So I currently am a real estate agent, employing broker and broker owner now of Springs Home Finders, which I just started this year during COVID and a pandemic and suffering from (laughs) (laughs) COVID-19. I am a real estate agent, but also now own a company that um, has real estate agents with me. So totally different spin this year um, that nothing that I was anticipating, totally different. I'm learning, I'm growing again (laughs) at my age. Um, So mainly we focus on residential sales, helping buyers, sellers, investors, you know, realize their real estate dreams. So that is what we do. How I got here uh, truly was by accident. Um, I had been raised and grew up in Utah in a teeny tiny town called Stansbury Park, Utah with uh, my family. And I relocated here uh, to do some landscaping with a landscaping company. And I chose to live in Woodland Park on a map because I thought it was between Denver and Colorado Springs. (laughs) And turns out it was not. So when I got here, I realized that I couldn't make that commute with two little kids. I decided to look for other work. During that time, I worked for a media agency um, in town and just wasn't making enough money to make ends meet here in Colorado. So picked up some part-time jobs, one of which was at Caldwell Banker in Woodland Park and did like showing service, night service, um, answering calls. And really that's kind of how I stumbled into real estate. Had two little kids, was going through my third divorce and was really just looking for another job. And when I saw, you know, the income that potentially could be made, and the people that were doing it up there were older. I thought, well, I should give this a try because I don't have really anything else to do. Mm-hmm. I always was really fairly good at sales, like party light candles, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, always did very well at that. So I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to sell something, you know, should I sell cars? Should I sell houses? Mm-hmm. Should I sell jets? Ultimately, when I was looking at that, I thought I should sell jets because mm-hmm. it's the largest paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out you have to have quite a bit of money to be able to entertain that clientele to even get to that category. And then you only have to sell one a year, but I knew nothing about jets. Quite frankly, I knew nothing about houses, but I did know about landscaping. So, you know, that's how I kind of started into my path with real estate. So I was working three jobs at that time and picked up some school at night and started studying for my real estate exam. Try to get the day off at Caldwell Banker to take my test. They said no. So I quit, took my test and thank God I passed with like an 81 or 2%, barely above what I needed. And here I am like (laughs) loving my job. So how long have you been a realtor now? 19 years. So from 2002. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, For those, uh, what we call them, our legacy ninjas is the name of our audience. So for those of you legacy ninjas who are listening, um, oftentimes the kind of the mark for most realtors is kind of the two-year mark it was like 70 to 80 percent fizzle out or don't make it because it's really an 80 20 business 20 percent of the agents doing about 80 percent of the work and it is really tough out there you know right now everybody looks like a superstar because the market is really good but you know it's those that maybe you know you'll kind of find out shortly after you know the market changes what that looks like so you know, being in this for so long, what are a lot of the the things that you've seen, you know, in the housing market? And how does that look like now versus, you know, even 10 years ago? 
Yeah. So the market now is unlike any market I've ever experienced. And I've been through two shifts, I would say, starting in 2002. There was one in 2004, 2005, and then again in 2009-ish. Now it's the longest uphill that we've had in the highest amount of increase in equity that we've had. So normally we were always like 4.7% increase per year. And now, you know, it can be 10% per month in some cases. So we always looked at other areas like Denver, California, Las Vegas, like, oh, wow, that's crazy. And they'd have these huge dips and we would just have a little, you know, Colorado Springs has five military installations. So it usually would just kind of ride that wave out. So this one has been the longest one uh, that I've ever experienced as far as an uptick in the market. But I really truly believe with the economy and things coming this way and all of the things that have happened that it, you know, it may level off, but I don't think, again, we're going to have like a huge market adjustment. Mm -hmm. Eventually, obviously we'll have, if you look over time, but like you said, there are, thousands more realtors that enter the market. There's a lot of sub market contractors like transaction coordinators, which my daughter is doing, but photographers, transaction coordinators, a lot of people that support us also jump into the industry at this time. So it's, it's, it's a lot of people that come in and are attracted and want to be a real estate agent because it's fun. And, you know, who doesn't want to tell you, you're going to make six figures when you sell your house and you bought it last year, you know, those are the fun conversations, but when it shifts and you have to say, do you have $20,000 to bring to the closing table? You know, those are the not so fun conversations that I've also had to be part of. So, you know, this market is totally different over time. New construction can't keep up, you know, with the COVID happening. It's like now starting to affect weird things like carpet and tile, you know, and just random things like all this time later. So we're starting to see some effects of that, but everyone's still selling, Mm -hmm. right? Everything's still selling. We did see like a 2% adjustment last month, but it's still, you know, we have low, low inventory. Normally we have much more months of supplies right now. We're just over a month of supply. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a seller's market, which is sad for your, you know, people getting out of college, first time home buyers, young families. Mm -hmm. You know, I always kind of loved Colorado Springs because it was a place that young families could afford to purchase a home and raise a family and they didn't have to have five roommates and (laughs) things like you saw in California. Um, But even now my daughter's looking at purchasing her first property. It's like 280,000 for a condo, you know, 900 square feet to be in a decent part of town. So it's different than anything that I'm used to, you know, the market's good. A lot of people, you know, the main thing that people say is like, what do you do for a living? And I say, I do real estate. And they're like, oh, it must be so great for you. And I'm like, actually, no, I don't, I don't really enjoy <laughs> all of this. You know, I, I want there to be affordable housing for families and stuff like that. So, but people find Colorado Springs, a beautiful, you know, a place to live. It's very desirable. It'll be interesting to see if it's still, it was like, one of the top places for younger people out of college to come. I don't know if that will continue that way just because of affordability, you know, so. Well, I think uh, it's interesting just hearing the start of the conversation. You had talked about continuing to grow, continuing to learn. And I think that's a powerful piece that as the Lacey Ninjas listening to this, I think that's a huge aspect that a lot of people have to tap into. And so as much as you've done, 
how much has that growth played into it? And then as you're continuing to progress, what does that mindset do for you as you progress to the next level of whatever you're trying to accomplish? Yeah. So I think having a mindset of always, you know, I've always just felt like I don't know everything. I, when people come to me for things, I I obviously have some experience with situations so I can give some advice, but with a real estate industry constantly changing, you have to be willing to grow like any industry, actually, I think. So, you know, over time, the people that I looked up to were always the people that honestly felt like they didn't really know anything, right? Mm. They were always just learning. And so I've just kind of kept that attitude. And I think it's given me a lot more opportunity because talking to anybody in any any industry, you don't want to talk to a know-it-all, right? Because I mean, how in the, you can't, you can't possibly understand or know anything, especially in a market that's changing so frequently, you know, with lending, with insurance, with home ownership, everything's changing. So I just feel like, you know, yeah, I have several more days than maybe the realtor that just got licensed yesterday, but we're navigating through a different market every single day. Mm. So I think it just makes me more willing to learn, more willing to know that there's so much more that I can do, you know, and again, finding myself in this role, like wait, I literally tell people I woke up and I'm like, what, what did I do? <laughs> you know, cause it's a whole different ball. Like I, I never would have said at my age, I would have decided to, you know, become an employing broker mm-hmm. and started a brand new company in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, that's kind of crazy, but <laughs> right. I did. Right. And honestly, I didn't even mean to, it was just another all my greatest successes are my, like, I don't know, like are like beautiful mistakes. You know, I just find myself in them and then I'm like, okay, here we are, you know, and I will freely admit, like, I don't, I don't know the answer. I'll go figure that out and I'll go ask somebody that does. And I just kind of kept that mentality. Bob Ross calls them happy accidents. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, I think it's a powerful thing with that one too, because I went through uh, a course about two weeks ago and it was Pete Vargas that was running it, so helping people create their own stages. But he actually had shared a nugget from one of the speakers that talked about if you really want to achieve massive things and learn, you've got to get out of your ego. You've got to put your ego to the side. And I look, and when you look at so many different individuals, how often do you come across individuals that their ego gets in the way instead of showing up and saying, hey, let me learn. I'm continuing to grow. And when you come across somebody that way, I think you've already talked about it, but how much does that impact on your outlook with that individual, maybe the industry, if you come across somebody with an ego like that? Yeah, well, it is real estate and egos are huge and it's every day. So I constantly have to remind agents when I'm in the middle of a transaction and even myself, you know, we it's an, to me, I always say, this is like one of the most interesting jobs ever. Like this is one of the only careers while you will do the other. So you have a listing agent and the buyer's agent, and you will completely do the other agent's job if they are, you know, Mm. not willing to, or sick or just whatever, too busy. And they still get half the paycheck. It is also very interesting because we have we have an agency relationship with the client. So you feel like you have to advocate. I mean, that's part of your role. So you advocate, but a lot of people that ego gets involved and they just can't see it. And so they like advocate so hard, like they don't even ask the client like on inspection items or, 
it's minor things. It's interesting how much the agent is like, well, I don't want to talk to the client. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, it, it's their house. Mm-hmm. So we just remove your ego. You ask them and half the time they're like, yeah, sure. Like they're not even, you know, invested as much as this person is fighting for some <laughs> weird war against the other one. And you see egos all the time in real estate. Unfortunately, it is a part in a lot of industries. It's not just real estate, but between two people. So I learned early on in 2002, when I got licensed, it wasn't a very, I was a young female in the industry. It was not very popular. I did not put my picture on my business card because I would have lost business because Mm -hmm. of that. And to see it transition, it's not so much like that anymore, but that ego that you talk about, like just removing it, you know, you just see it. And sometimes you can't Mm -hmm. like, you still have to deal with it though. So even if I run into somebody on a transaction, I still have to finish the transaction. Mm-hmm. I just learn how to kind of operate around it and they get through to the finish line, you know, and just hope that they had a good experience too. It's just so, it, it is crazy. And like you said, like you've got to remove that piece. Mm-hmm. And I've constantly, that's probably a word that you hear in this office office a lot with my agents is remove your ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love uh, that your actions back that up. You know, I don't know if I've come across, and obviously, you know that I work with many, but I don't know if I've ever come across anybody with some of the same tactics that you implore. Um, I think there's a was a hashtag maybe for a while, but um, it says sell experiences, not things, mm-hmm. right? And that's huge for business owners. So, tell us a little bit about how this concept and that hashtag came for you and your team. So early, early on, again, I was new to Colorado when I got in um, the industry and I could see early on like transactional based business, which I have nothing bad to say because it exists and it's, it's there. Your top producers are usually in that category and relationship based business and um, cold calling and buying leads and all of these things that you have to do to, to get that kind of transaction, to be able to afford you know, you have to sell so many more properties, close so many more transactions. I just learned early on, like, this is a relationship base. This is what I'm comfortable in and, um, having to make those calls and do those to earn business, but then having those relationships starting to refer me, Mm -hmm. those were, it's so much easier to walk into a room where somebody's like, Oh, my friend told me that you're a great realtor rather than to walk into a room where, you know, nobody knows anything about you and they're interviewing several agents and, you know, not that you can't, you can get business on both sides, but for me, it was just like creating a family instantly. You know, I wasn't from here. I was going through my third divorce. I was a hot freaking mess (laughs) and had to really create a whole new world. So I think again, it was that perfect storm accidents happen, you know, and I just started building relationships naturally because I needed relationships Mm. at that time. I was away from home. I was stuck in Colorado. I was going through custody battles and all sorts of stuff. So I think I just gradually ended up there. Mm. Um, And again, it's not to say one way or the other, but that's the other thing too, you know, being in programs outside of here for recovery, I've learned that, you know, you, you have to walk the talk. You can't just talk the talk. Nobody cares about what you have to say if your actions don't match, including Mm -hmm. myself to this Mm -hmm. day, you know, and we're in an industry now with iBuyers and Zillow and Redfin and people that um, really have a lot more to offer when it comes Mm -hmm. to a transactional based industry. Like, and, and a lot of people don't even want to put their house on the market. They don't want, I don't want showings. 
I don't want to do all this stuff. So how do you, you know, stay in business, stay valid. And it's always going to basically what cannot buy you out of the industry is if you're relationship driven, Mm -hmm. because we all know people that have experiences and relationships will refer. That's how you will stay. That's how things are valid. And it's genuine. You can't make that stuff up. So that's really how all of that transpired. Again, it was just natural. And it was honestly a perfect storm. Like I was all alone in Colorado, you know, trying to figure out how I was going to stay here and actually try to make the best of it. Yeah. So, well, and I think that's a powerful thing too, because I always highlighted this, especially the journey that I've been on. I've really told people, if you look at it, success is really driven by the relationships that you build. That's the foundation, Mm -hmm. but you'll get so many different things when you ask somebody, Hey, what does success mean to you? How do you build success? And you're going to get a ton of different answers but then if you ask somebody hey what does failure mean to you or what does failure look like it's pretty much one two or three clear-cut answers there but success when I look at it I know Patrick's driven and then how you've expressed it's the relationships is the biggest driving force and I think as a legacy ninja that's listening to this is finding out those relationships that really are going to tie into who you are and help you expand with whatever you're trying to build yeah I agree I agree. And I also think relationships over time, like, you know, it's hard to cat claw and keep them too. Cause as you grow, not everybody grows with yeah. you. And as you grow, you have to surround yourself. You know, you, you have to surround yourself with that next level up. Yeah. We always call it leveling up and it's not like you're too good for the people, but it's just, sometimes your conversations change. Sometimes, you know, where you're hanging out changes. So relationships change. And that's the other thing I had to learn is Like I do, I had a client appreciation um, event this last weekend and it was so cool. I had a client there that I had met 15 years ago and I had a client there that I had met 14 years ago and then everything in between. But I sat there and I thought, wow, you know, that to me, that speaks volumes because a lot of times you can just get stuck in the current relationships too. Um, and you can hold on to some of those. It doesn't mean, but you, you have to ebb and flow. It's just kind of like that growing thing that you said, you, the further they experience, sometimes you have to let go of some relationships in order to have better relationships, you know, and to keep on going, you know, on whatever path and then just have trust. Like I totally always say, I trust the universe explicitly. And, you know, although sometimes I want things to work out differently and they don't, it sucks, but I just have to go, okay, that, that relationship was not meant to stay for whatever reason and keep on going. But for whatever reason, (laughs) I still have clients from 15 years ago, you know, and I've gotten to see their kids grow up, go to college, their kids get married. And I'm like, wow, I'm old. Like (laughs) who, and I'm thinking like, when I serve like a military family and they're like, I'm 19 years in, I'm like, man, you are almost done. You have like one year left. And I'm thinking, man, I'm 19, I'm 19 years in and I'm just growing. Like I just begun. Like what does that mean? Then you look at the person that's 80 years old out selling real estate. Good for them. But I'm telling you right now, I want to be in a beach. I don't know what I mean. Like at some point I want to transition. So it's interesting how even your perspective changes depending Mm. on who you hang out with. I guess that's a cliche too. who conversations you're having, who you surround yourself with ends up being your clientele and the people you do business Mm. with. So, yeah. And I had somebody once tell me like, you know, relationships are 
a lot of work, right? And a lot of them are not made to last because who you are yesterday is not the same person that you plan to be tomorrow, right? Or at least for most people. And so it's only natural that those conversations would change. And so she basically just had told me whether your season or forever, you know, people will judge you how they meet you. And so if you're a different person than you were 10 years ago, which we all were, right? And so you kind of see this cancel culture now where people are getting destroyed for things that happened many moons ago. But, you know, I think it's important. And I think what you talked about is just upping the conversation, leveling up, you know, and again, it's the relationships. Oftentimes, if you build a good foundation, they're still going to be there. Right. Mm -hmm. But it is really cool to see that even after all this time that you got a chance to see, you know, new and older clients uh, alike. So let's go into this next segment here. Legacy means something different to every single person, right? And even before, you know, you're like, well, I'm not even sure how to define that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like when you kind of envision, you know, the, what you've done, where your trajectory is going to end up, you know, I think a lot of people, when they hear your story, they're like, wow, that's really crazy. But it's also very inspiring because other people can turn around and say, well, hell, she went to a whole new town, was going through all this stuff, didn't know anything about real estate. And 19 years later, here she is. Right. So, you know, when you envision kind of legacy, tell us a little bit about what you think that means to you, how you think that you've gotten here. And then also, what are you actively doing to live that? And we talked about that just briefly in regards to the uh, giving experiences. But, you know, we want to hear it directly from you in terms of what that looks like. Yeah. So again, legacy. So to me, like legacy is like when I'm at a Broncos game and, and they bring out a player that, you know, and they get some great big trophy or something like, mm -hmm. I'm like, that's legacy. Right. Like, so when you said that, I was like, Oh Lord, I don't even know I'm on this <laughs> podcast really. Cause, but what, <laughs> what I do know is I can equivalate it to, you know, uh, my reputation, what I built with Springs Home Finders, like I'm very protective of it. And even just ensuring that the people I surround myself with are relationship driven. And so, and I, and again, I'm not talking bad about anybody that is not, but when, when people want to join the brokerage, I have to ask like, you know, how do you do business? Is this how you see yourself doing business? Cause I'm very protective about anybody that I do do business with or people that I refer out such as yourself, right? You are a reason why like, I'm very loyal. I've had like three lenders in my whole career. Um, I've had two insurance agents, <laughs> like I'm very loyal. And if I don't believe that you're honestly going to walk the talk and really care about the relationship, then I don't really want to do business with you. Um, so it's, it's interesting because I'm watching Zayla grow up. She was like, I don't want anything to do with real estate. I'm going to go do my thing over here. And now she's here full time and getting ready to leave as my assistant and start her own business in real estate, which is super cool to watch her success and to see like her like fight about, well, I don't just want the business because it's my mom. Like I, you know, and I don't want her to just be handed the business and people in this building will tell you she has no slack. She probably is worse because she's my daughter. Like she, you know, <laughs> it's worse for her because I have higher expectations, but so I guess that would be a legacy, you know, like people know if I, I tell you something, I'm telling you the truth. It might not always have the best approach. It might hurt your feelings because I don't have a lot of padding or couth as my mom said, when I was growing up, I just deliver it like it is like the truth. So 
I'm really offended when I catch people in little lies and it's always that like white lies, you know, cause they don't want to tell you the truth, but mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't care how bad it is. You have to just tell me so I can deal with it. Cause then I can go right into solution. Like we all make mistakes, but it's owning that. So I guess that's how I see it now. And I'm just grateful from where I come from, like, you know, a recovering drug addict, alcoholic, like if I would have built my business back then. Well, first of all, I couldn't because none of us could afford houses, (laughs) nor was that a priority. Um, And then as I came up, you know, and having conversations with people about random stuff, like, do you think they did drugs in here? And I'm like, well, no, but (laughs) did you know I did? And I'm showing you, (laughs) you know, and like listening to people, like judge people who, Mm. who I used to be and not being comfortable. And now, you know, I share my story freely in recovery and therapy and trauma, all those things, just because I know it could give somebody hope. So I think mainly that's why a lot of people are um, like attracted um, to the company or to me, because they know that I'm real and I'm raw and I'm vulnerable and I don't really have any bullshit factor. And I, but then at the same time, people are scared of me because I don't have any fluff factor. So we were having a team meeting the other day. And one of my agents said, I I never want to have to talk to you. Like, I don't want to get called into your office. Feeling like you will never be enough. And I was like, okay, I won't, we'll just have Chanel do it. Cause she's nicer. And then I thought, wait a minute, that hurts my feelings because then you should, you should you be here sure. if you're that scared of me? Cause I'm not scary, right. but I understand why some people are, you know, I'm not everyone's cup mm-hmm. of tea for certain because I'm not going to be like, I don't sandwich. That's what HR always told me I had to do. Mm-hmm. Start with a compliment end with a compliment, put the ucky <laughs> stuff in between. I'm like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I'm just going to get to it. <laughs> like, and I tried it a couple of times, like, man, you're so good. Like it just doesn't. Cause it's, then it's fake, right? Okay. To me, it's like, if we're going to have a nice meeting about all of the good things they're doing, that's what we'll talk about. But if we have an issue, we're going to talk about the issue. Right, right. So I think, you know, legacy, like could mean anything. Like you said, I certainly don't see myself as like a legacy person, but I honestly don't feel like I've been doing this for 19 years. I feel like I've been doing it for like a couple of years, you know, still learning <laughs> like every day is a new day. Like, and um, throughout the changes and stuff with the career, you know, you never know what is going to happen. So I don't ever feel like I'm like a long-term career type. I used to say for the first 10 years, like when I grow up and I get a real job and then I was like, wait a minute, I think I make real money. <laughs> so is this a real job? <laughs> Cause I don't feel like I'm working, sure, you know, sure. showing well, houses. Like now I do owning a brokerage. I work, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> but it's not with clients. When I'm out with clients driving a car, showing houses, we're laughing, we're having fun. And then I do all the negotiation between it. It doesn't really get bad. You know what I mean? But owning a brokerage and, you know, finding out things and having to have tough conversations. Now I feel like you're 19. I've, I'm working and my skin and my hair's gray. And <laughs> I feel like, like in the last year, it's been like 18. So mm. You know, <laughs> I guess it all just depends on how you look at it. Managing people. For sure. mm-hmm. But I think that's, that is a cool legacy is that you don't feel like that you're building one. Right. But when I look at social media and I see the stuff that you do and the response, right. When I go to your appreciation events and I see the people show up and they just love you. Um, and it's not because of 
the event. They genuinely just care for you. They just want to be around you. So that being around you and if they have to come to an appreciation event, they got to schedule, you know, time away from their families. You know, it's like, oh, you know, I think I heard somebody say, oh, my family couldn't make it, but I wasn't going to miss this. Yeah. You know, and so when you hear things like that, I mean, like, that's awesome. You know, and I think that it's really cool that you don't even realize the impact that you're having on people. What about you, man? What do you, what do you have to say in regards to that when you hear that? I think the biggest thing that really sticks out is by you being authentic and just being yourself and the vulnerability piece, how that scares some people because of how society has been and how we try to show up as our authentic self, but then kind of get batted back and you can't do it. And so by being around somebody that's showing up that way, and it's not the normal piece, they can freak out because it's going against the grain of what their brain has seen and developed with the pathway. And I think that's a beautiful thing by having the authenticity and the vulnerability to create that space for other people. Um, a lot of people don't do it. And then we either run away from it because we're trying to fit in, but you've got to stick out. We're all meant to stick out. We've got a message that somebody else needs to hear. And part of that is the authentic and the vulnerability piece it's just how much are you going to step into it and how much are you going to embrace it? Yeah, that makes total sense. When you were saying 80, 80% and 20%, like that's what they said when I went to real estate school. Mm-hmm. And I remember because I had to borrow money from my dad and my dad was not a person you wanted to borrow money from mm-hmm. to go to school. You know, I think it was like $1,100 or something, but it was a lot of money. The teacher said like at the end, like only 20% of you are going to pass, which means only five of you in this class. And I was like, I'm one. I don't know who, who the other four are, you know, and, and thank God I did. But when you're talking about that and you think about over time, like you said, again, it's like all those beautiful mistakes, you know, I had divorces happen, kids happen, client events happen. You know, I've always been huge about client events and I had an assistant that embezzled a lot of money. And she was really active in my business. And I had to stand up at a client event and I cried and sobbed and thanked my clients. I mean, it was unbelievable. That was my best year in real estate to this day, 2015. I'll never forget it. I only worked six months because I was like not in a good state, but to watch my clients, you know, and I, I think that's like what you're saying. Like I was vulnerable. I didn't lie about it. I emailed people and called people. I couldn't say that she had stolen the money. I had to just say, I, you know, I did a company audit and I owe you X amount of dollars. And, you know, people said horrible things about me and I was in the news. I had Dora, you know, we had everyone, the police, Dora, CPAs, like forensic people. I was crazy. Everybody you try to avoid in real estate was in my accounts. (laughs) And, you know, just because again, I've had all those life-changing moments where honestly, I don't know how I'm not a person that can like put on a different costume and be like, everything's fine. Like, you know, (laughs) so they've gotten to see, they've gotten to see everything fall apart and me be a mess when Dylan decides like, I'm going to join the army. And I'm like, no, you're not like, I'll, I'll do anything. Like I'll buy you a gym. I'll buy you a girl. What do we need? (laughs) You know? And my clients like hold me through that because I've been a single mom with him. My whole life never shared him with his dad. And then he's gone and I can't even talk to him. And I, every time like the news came on or I sit at a movie, I just start sobbing, you know? And I think I've just never, I've never known how to be fake, which is interesting because I wasn't raised that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know, I don't know how people become vulnerable, like you said. And I think that is like why people are attracted to it because they can't. Um, 
but I don't think ever since I was little, I think I would, you know, my parents would, you'd get dressed up, somebody would die, you know, and you'd mm-hmm. go to the funeral mm-hmm. and I'd be like, this is devastating. And people would be like, oh, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't think I ever learned that, thankfully, you know, yeah. and then going to therapy and ripping ever my guts out. And most of us have to unravel those layers that we put yeah. on mm-hmm. for a number of years, right? Yeah. Um, which is, which is awesome. So if you, if you guys are listening to this story, just, I think Jen's message has always been that, you know, if she can do it, you can do it. And now having been in this industry, I'm sure you've had plenty of people reach out, plenty of people try to mimic a lot of the stuff that you do. I I know for me, when it's not authentic, it's always hard to watch people go through that. But what is some of the advice maybe for some of these newer realtors or people who are thinking about getting in the industry that you can provide directly to them? So my main advice is always to create a database right away. Like I I have new agents that come in here and they tell me like, I don't have anyone. And um, coming from that space where I truly didn't know anyone, I'm like, you do, look at you. And I always grab their phone and I'm like, how many contacts do you have? Mm -hmm. That's how many people you can put in your database. Mm -hmm. So talk about it, you know, be, make sure there's a fine line between, you don't want your entire page to just be whatever business you're in. You want to have some personal stuff, but if it's not again, real raw and vulnerable, then you can skip that too. Um, but then have some business stuff. But I want every time somebody thinks about buying or selling a house or investing or like even carpet, what color carpet I go and pick out people's carpet. I pick out their paint colors, like anything to do with real estate. I want you to think, Oh, what would Jennifer say? wonder if I could give her a call, you know, be open, be available, always treat people no matter what you know, like they are the most important top priority. I sold a $20,000 condo and my first million dollar house on the same day. Mm -hmm. And those clients got the same treatment. And um, they're both actually in my life still today, which is awesome too, when I think about it. But so create a database, make sure that you celebrate you know, everything. So with me, you'll see that I'm not, people try, I can't give you like, I don't have, I don't have a listing presentation. Um, I do have a database, but I'm random. Like I might celebrate your birthday, but if your dog passes, I'm going, I'm going to celebrate that, like not celebrate it, but I'm going to send you something for that. You know, be present. If you're going to scroll through Facebook, pay attention to what people this are sharing. It's all very true. I, I remember mm-hmm. I had COVID, my wife and I, and Jen basically shows up and she says, hey, I left you some groceries so you don't have to worry about it, right? And it was like everything you could think of. It was yogurts, crackers, meals, drinks, uh, vitamins, all the things that you needed, right? And it's incredible that you would just show up, first of all, because nobody wanted to touch anybody with COVID mm-hmm. a poll, much less to be able to just deliver a full-on set of groceries without even knowing to just say, look, Hopefully this isn't all the things that you need to get through whatever this cred is because I went through it, you know, and I know that you did that for multiple people and are still doing it for people who are going through it now. So, you know, I think. And then you had to do it back for me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Cause then I was down, you got up and I got down and he delivered stuff for me, but it, that's it. Like, you know, I think we all think about people and we're like, Oh man, that sucks. But show like, Don't only celebrate people's wins, Mm -hmm. celebrate their failures, celebrate their pain with them. Because I'm telling you right now, people will remember that stuff more than 
a birthday. I mean, everybody shows up for a birthday party. Everybody shows up for this, but what do the people feel uncomfortable? And when you're uncomfortable, I'm up in your stuff. Like (laughs) I'm in it. I'm like, Hey, what can, I don't know what to do, but you know, how many people, when you see somebody lose somebody or a spouse or a family member or a dog, and they're like, so sorry. And that's it Mm -hmm. to the extent, but or what do you need? Well, shit, they don't know what they need. Nobody knows what they need in those circumstances. So just do whatever you think you can do. And that's what I did with you guys. Cause you were like, we don't need anything. So I was like, fine. Won't went through every aisle, found something. <laughs> like, I don't know what they eat. I have no idea, <laughs> but just show up, you know, don't just have the thought, have the action, make sure you walk the talk, you know, and people, like you said, and honest to God, coming from where I come from, as a drug addict and an alcoholic, I am not, I guarantee you that my first thought is not another person, which people that knew me back then would tell you that I was very selfish, self-centered, and I didn't care. Like I was like, whatever you can give me, I'll take, and then I'll take yours and I'll take that too. And so thank God I live a program today where my no, when I get up, I literally, my first thought has to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. Otherwise my day is complete shit. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm not being of service or thinking about somebody else, I'm thinking about my damn self. Mm-hmm. And that's a bad, <laughs> and I have those days today. Like I have those days now and, and those are not good days for me. So, you know, I think I've just, you know, you can reprogram yourself yeah. and, you know, I, I, I was an active alcoholic for many years in my career. And I still, you know, that's when I was doing the leads and, selling new homes and collecting my database. And thank God I shifted, um, to where I have to be of service to others, you know, and I know that my spiritual condition is not, it's not good. So I literally wake up and Zayla does the same thing today. She ordered flowers for my clients for this month. You know, we made sure we took care of whoever needed whatever, you know, and, and just truly give without any expectation. When I give somebody and think, Hey, I'm going to get something back or a referral back. It's never good. That's Mm -hmm. not, and I do it. We all do it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I paid to board this lady's dog. Like, well, her dad died in another country and she went out there. It was like $2,200. And then she came back and she bought her house from another realtor. And I was so pissed off, Patrick. Like, are you kidding? Well, did I do that? What? And I was like, okay, Jennifer, evaluate that. Why did you, did you do that to be kind? Cause she lost her dad. Or did you do that? Obviously, cause you had an expectation that she was going to become your client for life. That doesn't work. So it never works, you know, but just give, you know, give as much as you can. Like don't make yourself go broke, obviously. And some things are financial, but you can give to a lot of people. You can be of service. I have spent many times washing people's dishes, doing their laundry and cleaning their house when they have surgery or they're sick or something happens just to make them feel better. You can do things without it costing money. Yeah. I think having a a servant's heart, right? I talk about that a lot. Well, I think before we get into what Patrick enjoys getting in here, uh, two things. So the first one is this kind of goes hand in hand with talking about celebration of other people, the challenges, the wins and whatnot. But it's the fact of how often do we celebrate our own wins because of what society tells us don't do because it's egotistical. But if you celebrate your wins, go out there and find somebody else that you can celebrate their wins with because it's very contagious on what that can do for people. But how often are we doing it? So that's the first one. And then the second one is when you talked about the individual that was embezzling money at this point. Have you been able to forgive that individual and forgive the situation? The reason I ask is because I've been reading a book, uh, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind by Vashin Lakiani, 
And today, the section that I read, he was talking about going through a program, 40 Years of Zen. And one of the things in there is forgiveness. They found through scientific studies, through forgiveness, it helps elevate alpha and uh, the theta and the deltas, which is the creative piece. And so he actually had something that went wrong with his company, was able to forgive it, and all of a sudden things popped for him, and then things just opened up. So when you look at that situation, have you been able to forgive that individual yourself in the situation since it's been some time since this happened? Yeah. So, okay. What was the first thing? Has my mind just squirreled? The first thing. Celebrating people. Oh yeah. yeah. So celebrating, celebrating wins. Yeah. That's difficult. So I actually had a coach last year that was like, you can pick and I can only tell you what I picked. You have to, you have to start shell up. It's like, you have a following of people. And if you don't start celebrating like, and showing some of your wins then, and I'm like, okay, well I can, I don't want to tell people how many houses I sell. Cause you don't want to, you don't want people to feel less than right. Like whatever. I don't know why there's so much shame, shame in that. So I had to, I had ordered my car. Right. Um, and I had saved all this money and my, my dream car is not even on a vision board anymore. Cause I would never have picked any of these cars. So Patrick knows I got a really nice car. I got an electric car. Uh, a Porsche electric Taycan or whatever. I can't even pronounce it right. But so it was that or something else. And I was like, oh, and I mean, I'm sweating and I'm thinking I'm not doing it. <laughs> like I'm, I'm this thing's ordered, you know, you're watching it get built. And it's like, I've never shared my cars. Nobody knew for like, just, I don't share that stuff. So was, and for whatever reason I had to pick the car. So I had to post folks, you know, and there were like hundreds of comments on it and people like, you know, no, nothing, ma- nobody was mean, mm-hmm. but I was like, so ashamed to like share that I had bought this car beyond my wildest dreams. Like, and now it's funny because people know me by, and they don't really judge me, but you'll see that Patrick have seen, I get haters on weird stuff and then they start. So it's random. So I think that's why I'm concerned, if, but I know it's important. So especially where you come from, if you're not willing to share your wins, whether it's materialistic or not, then people that come from where you come from, don't know that they can get where you've gotten. Cause they, again, it's walking the talk, right. And showing people like that genuine authentic people can win and can advance and you can buy new houses and you can sell more houses and you can have whatever, go on vacations and stuff. Cause I knew, never used to share my vacations either. So now I share those things and I get a lot of feedback. Like, are you ever in town? <laughs> I wonder next trip. I'm like, okay, whatever. I have a coach that tells me I have to tell you these things. So it's really easy to see. So you do get haters from that. It's really, but it's, you know what? It's a sorting process. It makes it much easier. So share your wins, yeah. figure out which line they're in. Sometimes they waver, right? They skip. Well, and what's nice is that you create that culture, right? Cause I've been privy to be in your team meeting. And first thing you say is let's go through and share our wins, yep. right? And that's that culture that you bring, you know, of showing that, that authenticity piece as well. And then the second question that you had was forgiveness. the forgiveness yeah. piece, especially the embezzlement yeah. aspect. And if you've been able to forgive it and you kind of reflect on that situation, have you noticed by that forgiveness piece has that opened up a lot more for you? That's been huge in regards to getting to those next levels. So for me, that forgive, yes, to an extent, but not completely. Hmm. I would lie if I told you that I haven't completely. I still have like, 
because she was so close to me. Right. And she was at my wedding. She stood next to me at my wedding while she was embezzling funds. Mm -hmm. Um, and her family all was involved and it was really deep. So I've, I, I think instantly I forgave her. And I think that's why my business blossomed, but I still have like some resentment there. Mm -hmm. So even in my program, I have to work on that kind of stuff. Like I know she's in Hawaii. I know she's married. I know she has a baby. Like I know more stuff about her than I should. Right. right? If I could tell you, I completely forgave her. I would be like done. I wouldn't know where she was. I wouldn't know these things, you know, and she had five years to pay me Mm -hmm. or she was going to keep a felony. She hasn't, she's on probation. And I follow up like once a year with a probation officer, like just checking in. Cause I, the judicial system too, like to learn about that mm-hmm. during that time was hard. I think it's a process because it was so deep rooted, mm-hmm. but I am actually, I, here's the, the funny thing. Cause again, I'm by nature, I'm selfish, self-centered, right? Like these things. So what I have learned <laughs> in recovery is that forgiveness actually benefits me. Mm-hmm. So I know like, if I hate you and I'm mad at you, like, uh, if I, the better, the sooner I get over that, the better I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. So I think like <laughs> I do that, like I really work on it really hard. Cause I know it's going to help me. It's not really because I really want to forgive anyone, mm-hmm. but it's like, I don't want to be stuck there. So I just want to move forward and let it go. And then and I super cliche again, but I know it's like, you can forgive somebody. You just don't really forget it. And I'm that person. Like if you decide to unfriend me on Facebook, like don't send me another request. <laughs> like that pisses. I'm like, no, like you, we were friends and we were, we are not. And I don't know what you, you're go away. Like, you know, so I'm like one of those, like, I think I've forgiven her to an extent, not completely, but I would never allow any kind like like that in my space again. Mm. But I also, that is like one of my biggest universal or God shots or God moments or whatever you want to call them. So when that happened, if I owed let's say I would, I would discover $23,450 that I owed. I would, I would get $23,450 that Friday. I wouldn't get 23.5. I wouldn't get 22, but it happened for consistently Mm. several months Mm. where the universe provided for me exactly what I needed, not more and not less. And I didn't have to mortgage my house. I did have to let go of a vacation that Dylan wanted to Hawaii for his whole life for his graduation. We did have to let go of that, but we thought we were going to lose everything. Mm. I mean, cause it cost over $150,000. So I was provided exactly what I needed and I had more flowers and meals at my house than when my dad died. The people at the buckle, my photographer, Mike Anderson, who's my ph- photographer today worked there. They all got their gift cards together. And like their employee gift cards and got Dylan, his outfits for senior photos. My hairdresser refused to charge me. My cleaner wouldn't charge me. And I'm telling you, like, I get so emotional about it because like everyone said, let us get back to you. You give back. And I was like, I don't want to be a victim. Like I made this choice. I allowed this person in my life, but you guys, the people took care of me. So that was my forgiveness thing. I got to see really with the ugly, ugly, you get to see such beautiful things. Mm. And I got to let people be of service to me, which I'm not used to. And still to this day, like I get really uncomfortable and I'll be like, thank you. Like, cause it makes me uncomfortable, right? I can get, but I'm like, I don't want to get. So, I mean, it was a huge learning curve, but so I do think forgiveness is huge. I think it's a huge piece, but I also think it's not a box you can just check in mm. some circumstances, like childhood trauma or 
sexual abuse or some big ticket items in my life. It's not one I can just say, yep, I've forgiven. You know, I'm in the process of forgiveness and I think it's going to take a long time in certain cases. So. No, and that's really powerful, right? The fact that you can get to that point where you know that you have a choice Mm -hmm. is already an uphill battle. But when you consciously make that choice to say, you know what, even if it's from a distance, you know what I mean? That I choose to move forward. Yeah. You know, a lot of people might view that as selfish because you don't want to be stuck in that. But if anybody that's ever been in that situation knows that that is such a tough spot to be in. So I love the fact that, again, people can call it selfish. And I think that there are certain times when it's necessary to be selfish, to allow yourself to help propel yourself to that next level and to help level up. Yeah. See, I'm using your terms now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> broken people, broken people hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. That's what I do now. So, yeah. so uh, this actually is perfect to segue into my favorite section here, which is basically the thankful piece. Through my own journey through business, what I've found is that when we truly acknowledge and take that time to give back uh, in our own minds and our own thoughts of just being thankful, writing down for all the things, because we know all the things that we could potentially go through or be going through, like many people are going through right now. So just use this time for, again, even if it's thanking yourself or maybe somebody that you haven't had a chance to maybe publicly thank or, you know, anything that's fresh in your mind, is there anything that you would like to give thanks to? You know, first and foremost, I love to thank my children because they're honestly like I they saved my life. Right. Like having um, being a single mom and um, having a child to like get me out of that first stage of selfishness and having to actually like, oh, I have now I have to take care of this thing, you know, and all the mistakes and just loving me through that. So my main why is my children um, that I love to thank first and foremost, you know, my family. You know, I just believe that everybody that's crossed my path, whether they're still in my life or not. I always say thank you to the people that love me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you to the people that hate me. Thank you for hating me. I love you anyways. (laughs) You know, everybody that's been along my journey, you know, thank you to Caldwell Banker for not giving me the day off and (laughs) like rocketing my real estate career. They probably don't even realize, you know, Um, thank you to all of my mentors that invested their time in me. I had, um, Lots of people at Richmond American Homes that trained me in new home sales, close friends from there. We were super close and we just had a great time. It really made me fall in love with my career. Mm -hmm. Harry and Lynn Wolf, which were my first mentors in resale market that taught me, you know, she was very strict on contracts, but she taught me everything I know as far as being really good at paperwork and organization and taxes. And I've never been behind on that stuff. And then Harry and his love for people and relationships and really taught me how to do that you know, thank you to you and your wife for being also my mentors and keeping me striving to be a better person. I love um, watching you guys, you guys parent completely different. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I have two amazing humans. I don't know how the heck I do. I always tell people, they're like, you have good kids. And I, I mean, I sat at my last mail appointment and like literally almost in tears because I'm like, holy cow, how did I get so, I, I have beautiful children how did I not screw them up so bad, you know, um, going through all this stuff with me? I mean, it was brutal, you know, it was not good. So I'm like really grateful. And when I watch people, I'm like, oh my gosh, Maddox is so loved. And so, you know, he has a safe home and all these things that my kids didn't have when I was out using and doing bad things, you know, to watch him 
just get to be his little normal, natural self, you know, where my son had to be like, you know, a father figure and a husband figure and all these things because I wasn't able to show up the way I needed to. So I just really love that everybody that's in my life, you know, that gets to show me that love matters, love wins. And that's my main thing that I've learned is everyone, no matter who we come across, they just want to be loved. None of the materialistic stuff matters. None of the business stuff matters. But if you truly can open your heart and let yourself be loved and loved in return, like it's so beautiful. Life is like, so like I literally live like this unbelievable life that Mm -hmm. I couldn't even put on a vision board. Like I don't even have vision boards anymore. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, like this stuff. When I just booked a trip to Africa, like, Whoa, (laughs) I wasn't on my vision board. You know, I just wanted to go to Mexico. Um, maybe to like, I don't even know, you know, I didn't have these beliefs. Like I'm in love with those people there. Like unbelievable. I really want to thank all of the agents who have put their faith in me and their trust in me who are teaching me today, you know, property mommies, Kim bourgeois, um, Chanel, my ride or die. She's always next to my side, my daughter for taking the leap of faith, Sarah McKinney, um, <laughs> who secretly stalked me for years and seriously knows more about me than most people. <laughs> but I, it's funny because I was doing a personality test and I handed it to her and I said, do you want to do it for me? Um, and she was like, yeah, you know, and she's like, oh, I wouldn't. Have. So we were answering. She's like, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have answered that way. And I was like, see, you only know what I post on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So you find out, you know, where you, where people follow you from, but, you know, really just everybody, especially the universe for taking care of me and, you know, me for allowing myself to let other people love me until I can love myself. Really. So, no, I love it. It's huge. And I think that's just for people to take the time, actually the power of gratitude and that goes hand in hand with forgiveness. So it's the power couple there that helps you get to wherever you're trying to go. It's really tapping into it and whatnot. So appreciate the insight and sharing there. So yeah. now get into some pod decks. So the first one here, I think we've touched on this a little bit, but it wasn't like specifically asked. This one here is uh, why are you doing what you're currently doing? So at this point in my life, why I'm doing what I'm currently doing is really because I don't have another option. No, I don't have a college <laughs> degree. Um, I am doing uh, real estate simply because I love it now. It's become like, I, I can't see myself doing anything else um, other than being a forest because I like flowers. So I always joke about that. Like if I retire, that's probably what I'll do. But honestly, because this is where my path led me, you know, all those beautiful mistakes have led me here. And this is what I truly believe that I'm aligned to do. So for me, I think that when I look back on starting this entrepreneurial journey, uh, I never envisioned any of this, right? Like you said, kind of stumbled into it, accident, uh, because I was supposed to, I don't know. But every day, I remember, I mean, two years ago, I was praying every, every single day, right? Where am I going to get a lead? Where am I going to get an opportunity? You know, my goal was 12 to 15 policies a month. I've done 200 quotes in the last month and a half. Right. And when you think about the organic build, right, from strictly Facebook, really, you know, trying um, uh, some of these other platforms and then trying other people's methods. But when you think about that, that spent $260 learning the Facebook algorithm and these multi billion dollar companies are spending hundreds of millions of dollars on advertising and I'm showing up right next door to them. So I really feel like that this really proved to me that 
I could do that. And, you know, so as I, again, master this craft and master this, it's also preparing me to be able to showcase to my son what that next level looks like and that you can come from all kinds of backgrounds, right? It doesn't matter where you've been through. Um, again, you know a lot about my story. And so to go from suicidal depression, somebody who has felt on purpose to people are like, man, we should connect up here. You're the guy to go to, you're the business guy, you're, you know, and all these things. And I'm like, I don't know when that happened. I still wake up and I'm like, I need 12 to 15 leads, <laughs> you know, every single one, you know, and it doesn't feel like that I've done 200 quotes. It doesn't feel like that I've sold, you know, a million and a half dollars in, in, in this short amount of time. It still feels like that. I just need to get up and, and do that 12 to 15 leads every single month. I look at it, my old journey is all over the place. So people know that I've done multiple different things, but I think at the point in time where I'm at now, being able to work with Patrick and the servicing agents uh, piece for the insurance, it's really unique because I've had people that have called in and we've had a conversation. I was able to get uh, one of our clients connected with Patrick because she had some hard times going on, but it was just having a conversation and it was just unique how things open up. But it's also the fact of, being present and giving space to others. There's a coaching group that we're part of. Carlo was on a couple episodes ago and there's a member in there, Liz, that I was sharing kind of what I do and my focus within the coaching practice along with the two native sons. And she's like, yeah, I'd love to see if my dad would be open to talking to you. And it's just one of those things of just expressing and people opening up and you just never know, but ultimately you just have to show up and kind of be there and give space to people. But how often does individuals do that for others? Um, so it's for me, it's just create space and let people be their true authentic self. Beautiful. So this comes from the How Dare You deck. Um, have you ever stolen something for, I think they forgot them here, from a store? Man, God, I've had to. I, here's what I'm I'm known for, and I I'm not able to do that anymore in recovery because I have a sponsor that says no. <laughs> it's not really a store, but I was known for stealing baby Jesus from like churches and mm-hmm. people's yards. And so, if you come to my house at Christmas, I, and I only like the baby, I don't want the rest of the family. <laughs> so, and people still to this day will drop off a baby Jesus on my porch. So I used to, I, I'd get drunk and I'd, I'd go steal them from the nativity set. And that's probably why they tie them down because I'm not the only one with this problem. <laughs> when I got sober and I had to work this 12 step, she's like, you, I, you know, there's one on 83. I can, t- I can tell you where the good baby juices are. <laughs> Costco has a nice one in their set too, but I'm not allowed. So I literally, but I contemplate it. Mark can even tell you, Zayla, Mark, everybody knows they're like, oh God, there's a baby Jesus. And so oftentimes they won't just sell him. So sometimes you have to steal him, right? <laughs> so I haven't done it in 12 years because I have my coin in my pocket. But prior to that, yes, sir. I stole a lot of baby Jesuses. The scene from Step Brothers comes to mind when he was like, why baby Jesus? Like, That's my favorite Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> he was not, t- he was perfect then. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't polluted. He was perfect. So when I was a kid, not to say that, you know, I was influenced or anything like that, but <laughs> I used to watch my brother steal. Sorry, bro. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, for him, it was like baseball cards, football card, mm-hmm. nitrogen cartridges for his CO2 gun, you know? And for me, it was just kind of like, 
oh, well, you can get away with it. I can too, right? So I go into like long drugs, which no longer exists. And I yes. really hate to think that I was a part of that, stealing little pieces of candy. Yeah, I, I used to go in there and like, you know, like the giant sweet tarts, like that come in a row of five or whatever and the different colors. Every time I get one now, uh, the lemonade one, especially, uh, for whatever reason, I remember watching my friend get caught while I have that, and I popped one in my mouth while I'm watching him get caught. Face aversion. Yeah, but you know what? He, it was crazy because we were in sixth or seventh grade at this point in time. He never ratted. He didn't say anything. He took the whole thing, and I had to go over there. My dad was like, well, you should go over there and talk to him as his friend. You know, and I couldn't look him in the eye because he didn't say anything about me. He didn't say that I was there. He's just like, yeah, he's like, you know, I know I shouldn't do that. And I remember like my dad's like, oh, say some words to him. And I was just like, hey, man, is everything OK? <laughs> but I remember specifically like that was the last time because I was so close and he didn't wrap me out. So shout out to Matt for, for keeping it he's solid. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I ever stole from a store, but I do have, I had friends growing up with, and we would go play different games for money. Mm. So there was one time we were hanging out, and I had a deck, and I knew what cards were all jacked up in the deck, so we were for money, and I know. And so I ended up taking quite a bit of money from him. But <laughs> he's like, oh, I accidentally distributed this card <laughs> and then missed deal. <laughs> yeah. So it was one of those things. It, wasn't, it was not stolen from a store, but it was stolen from a friend. So, you know, and I will add to this too. Uh, I employ a dad tax on everything for my kids. So fruit snacks, first sip of the drinks, chicken nuggets, you know, you have to pay the dad tax. I got to teach them early, right? So, I mean, I'm just not stealing from a store, but I am taking from my kid, but he has to learn. I mean, we all got to pay taxes. <laughs> That's smart. You know, I have to teach taxes at an early age. Yeah. You will find that there's an opportunity. Things might suck, could be worse. So the last one we have is uh, you get one text, no more than 160 characters that gets sent to everyone's phone. What does it say? Everyone's phone. Mm-hmm. <sighs> How many is 160 characters? Can we decide that? <laughs> I don't know. Man. I don't think it's enough. I don't, I don't either. Everyone's Especially phone. Going to the world. I think I just put you are loved. Call me for insurance. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's great marketing. No. Uh, <laughs> it is. I think that I would basically send something similar. Probably dare to love yourself. We already know it's for me. Let's, Let's go. go. <laughs> <laughs> to the point. Simple. That is his tagline. Nice. Is, Let's go. And it's what's crazy is that it's so simple, but it's so effective. And it shows up in so many different ways. Even one day, Sharon was singing a song, right? And it was in there. And I was like, oh, so you're running the Scott now. And she was like, oh, my gosh. She goes, it's everywhere. I can't get away from it now. Because everywhere we go we hear it and see. Let's go. So we got it on our T-shirts now. Um, all kinds of stuff. Nice. So. I love that. <laughs> it's very motivational. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, okay, where are we going? Yeah. That's what people doesn't even ask. matter. Yeah. yeah. Where are we going? I don't know. You got to make that decision for yourself. <laughs> but Scott is also known as the yes man. Basically, anywhere we go, you know, you can ask him and he will not say no, which is 
I don't know. For me, that's a scary thing, right? But for him, it's like, oh, I was like, what if you die? He's like, well, then I die. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a good to so pair that up with the let's. So go if I ever need money, I should call you. Yeah, pretty. You'd be like, let's go, yes, and I'll be like, rob the bank. You'll say yes. Well, you okay. get that experience. Down. <laughs> you could die. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Um, is there anything that uh, you know throughout the podcast? Anything that maybe came to mind that maybe we didn't capture? Anything that you would like to provide to you know any, any nuggets maybe for any of the uh, legacy ninjas or anyone else that we, you may be sharing this to also? I think we captured a lot actually. Yeah. I'm like, whoa! I don't know if I'm tired or excited. Yeah, well, can't I figure it out. I think it's good. Mic drops in here, moments for sure. So. Yeah, we were. Thank you guys for your time. I appreciate the opportunity, always. Guys, thank you so much for checking out another episode of Legacy Digging. Uh, on behalf of Scott and Jen, thank you so much, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode.